to Luke chapter number 14. Luke chapter number 14. Of course, I'm praying for your pastor. I didn't realize until last week that your pastor had been sick, but I've been praying for him, and uh, you, have, you have more than a pastor. You have a man of God. You really do. A man that walks with God, loves his people, always trying to reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's rare today. It really is. I hate to say that. I'm with some preachers, and uh, they go months and years without getting anybody saved. They just, I don't know. It bothers me. It bothers me. But uh, your pastor's out there doing what he can for the glory of Jesus Christ. Here we go. Luke chapter number 14, verse number 16. Then he said unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bid many. Now that should get your attention, okay? We are Baptists, and Baptists like to eat. And that talks about it. I know I got your attention when I said supper. You woke right up and grabbed your Bible. That's right. That's good. Now, let's keep going, okay? And said to his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent begin to make excuse. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. That servant came and showed the Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city. Bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. The servant said, Lord, it's not as thou hast commanded, yet there is room. Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel him to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. This story I read tonight is a parable. A parable is simply an earthly story with a heavenly application. The man that made the supper was God. The supper speaks of salvation. How come? It satisfies the hunger inside of a man's soul. Those sent out to invite are you and I that are saved, and those invited are the unsaved. Very simple tonight. Number one, first of all, we find the preachers. The preachers. Now, when I mention preachers, First thoughts to your command, someone who stands behind the pulpit and preaches. Now wait, every Christian should be a witness. Every Christian should be spreading the gospel. In the Great Commission, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach. That means communicate the gospel to every preacher. Your Bible says, our gospel came, they heard the gospel, then it says, and you became, wait, you put a period there. I'm saved, I'm, God didn't. There's more, our gospel came, and you came then it says, and from you sounded out. What a tragedy when God's plan to get folks saved stops because folks won't take that third print. They're embarrassed about what someone might say. They're embarrassed about what someone might think. My friend, we ought to be more concerned about folks heading toward hell than about what somebody's going to say. God give us a boldness in this day and age to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, two things about these people. First of all, my friend, look at your Bible, their character. What are they called? A servant. A servant. You know how I like that word? Anybody can be a servant. That's right. To be a servant out in the world for a wealthy family, you don't have to have a Ph.D. You don't have to have a college education. You don't have to have all kinds of, no, to be a servant, all you have to do, a servant does one thing, he obeys a master. That's all he has to do. And anybody can be a servant. When God's Son, Jesus Christ, left heaven, and arrived on planet Earth, your Bible says he took upon him the form of a servant. You say, preacher, 
I'm a little too classy to witness. Somebody about to make fun of me. I'm a little too classy to really not stand out for, for God on the job. Now, what you're saying is this. I'm better than Jesus Christ was. Christ didn't come to be a wheel. He didn't come to be a CEO. He came from heaven to earth what, to do one thing, to be a servant. I'll repeat that. A servant's definition is simple. All a servant ever does is one thing. He obeys the master, and that's it. I was preaching in, in, me, I was preaching in northern Michigan, and a young man came to get saved. His name was Tim. Now, how do I say this? Tim had a speech impediment. Tim uh, uh, had all kinds of things wrong with him that were different from society, and he was just kind of a strange little boy, ready? 14 years old. That week in revival, Tim brought some visitors. That week in revival, ready? I think 14, 15 of them got saved. Now, why did God use Tim? Because he was a servant. God is so desperate to keep folk out of hell, he'll use anybody that says, God, here am I. I ain't much, but I want you to use me to keep somebody saved. First of all, my friend, the character. Number two, the commission. Look in your Bible. If you're saved, you've got to have a commission. Look at verse number 17. It says, and sent his servant. Look in your Bible. At verse 21, it says again, uh, said to the servant, go. Look in your Bible again. Verse 23, go, my friend. That is called the Great Commission. Can I ask you a question? In your Bible, is that the Great Commission? Do you really try to witness, give out tracts, live right, use your mouth? Or to be honest, in your life, has the Great Commission become the great omission? Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. And somehow we have the idea we're a little too good to do that. God help us. It's, my friend, if Christ, uh, God Almighty, would risk me, he was laughed at, ridiculed, called a drunkard, called immoral. And yet we're so afraid what somebody's going to say, we'd rather they go to hell than we witness and risk and witness to them and try and get them saved. My friend, all God looks for is one thing, and that is servants. Many years ago, I, I, I went and knocked on a door in Bloomington, Illinois, and a guy opened the door, and his, his name was Steve. And Steve asked me in. We sat down. We talked a while. I said, Steve, I said, what do you do? Well, he said, I was pastoring a Methodist church out here, and they fired me. I said, Steve, I don't want to be nosy. How come? He said, one Sunday morning I stood in the pulpit. I preached on, you must be born again. That was Sunday morning. He said, Tuesday, the bishop knocked on my door. I asked him in. He said, Steve, there's a rumor going around. Sunday morning you preached on, you must be born again. He said, I did. He said, Steve, we warned you about this before. That's old-fashioned. That's antiquated. That's antedated. Nobody believes it. And he said, Steve, I got bad news. You're done. You live in the parsonage for, for a month. We'll pay you for a month, but don't step foot in that pulpit. You are through. So Steve said, well, I, I, I said, I worked in State Farm. He said, I, got, I was already there working part-time. He said, now I'm full-time. He said, and I come to Calvary Sunday morning. I said, good, I'm going to see you. Uh, let me ask you a question, Steve. Have you been born again? Here's what he said. I don't know, but he said, it was a good sermon I preached. Amen. Amen. Well, I said, I tried to explain to him what it meant. He didn't get it, okay? Next Sunday morning, he come to church. Dr. Winnegar preached invitation. Steve and his wife and his three kids walked down the aisle and got saved. And we're rejoicing in that, okay? About a month later, at that time, I was visitation program at that church where I didn't have meetings. Steve come to me and said, um, 
how often you do that stuff? I said, what stuff? He said, to get people to go to heaven. I said, Steve, when I'm in town, I do it Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, and sometimes Sunday. He said, can I go with you? I said, man, you sure can. Where do you want to go? He said, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Okay, I was. We went calling. I'll tell you. We went about four weeks, okay? Steve got so excited, so enthused. At one time, he actually said, uh. That's better than most of you have ever said in church in your life, okay? But that's what he said. Oh, uh, okay. Here we go. We have a big-time call. They're all important, but this... The people we went to see owned Bike Candy Company at that time. They're in Bloomington, one of the largest candy companies in the world. We walk up to this beautiful home. I ring the doorbell. I step back. A woman come, open the door. Before she could say a word, Steve walked inside and said, I'm Brother Holmes from the Calvary Baptist Church. We're here tonight to show you how to get saved. What do I do? I followed him in. What else are you going to do? Okay, we got in there. We sat down. And Steve said, can I ask you a question? He said, go right ahead. He said, if the premillennial rapture of the Lord in glory was to occur tonight, are you certain of the eternal destiny of your immortal soul? She said, what? And I said, what to? Okay, now wait. Needless to say, she did not get saved, okay? So, so we come out. Well, I said, Steve, a nice prayer meeting. Hey, buddy, we'll go again on Thursday. He said, no. You're not going Thursday? No. How come? He said, preacher, this getting folks saved is so simple, I want to go by myself. I said, go for it, okay? Now, in those days, Calvary Baptist Church, our visitation pastor, we had 100 people going calling every Thursday night. They'd come, we'd give them calls, they'd go out and make the calls. Folks and folks would come back for coffee and testimony time. Here we are, it's, it's over, we're all in there having coffee and giving testimony. All of a sudden, out in the hall, here's what I heard. I got two, I got two, I got, I looked up, the door swung open, Steve walked in and said, hey, everybody, I got two. I got, well, Steve said, what happened? He said, I got in a home over here on Washington, led a man and his wife to Christ. He said, hey, man, he said, I got two. Now, wait, that never stopped. That never stopped. One Sunday morning, I saw Steve Holmes bring eight people down the aisle in the Calvary Baptist Church, not to get saved. They were already saved. He had led them to Christ, really. Yeah. You see, my friend, there was a man, he was different, totally different. But yet, my friend, God used him. Why? God can use you. God can use me. God can use anybody that wants to be used to keep folk out of hell, God can use you, my friend. The Bible says he's chosen the foolish things of the world. I qualify. To what? Confound the mighty. Yeah. It's the gospel. Just give them the gospel. It's the power of God under salvation. The preacher. Two things. His character. Number two, his condition. His commission is what? Go. Geo. Now look, look, look there a minute, okay? Look down there. Verse 23. Go. Then you find the word sent. Then you find the word go. That's it. That's it. Nothing ever is going to happen to you go. That's the first step. Nothing ever happens to you go and try to witness to someone. Good ideas don't count. Concern is good, but it doesn't count. Somebody has to go and share the gospel. Somebody has, I like this, somebody has to put the go in the gospel to get folks saved. Number one. The preacher. Number two, the proclamation. What do we tell people? Look in your Bible at verse 17. He sent his servant at supper time. Say to them that were bidden. Here's the, here's the uh, my friend, the proclamation. Come, for all things are now ready. Friend, that is Bible salvation. What do you do? Get baptized? No. Join a church? No. Stop drinking? No. Stop cussing? No. What do you say? Come. Come. Come to Christ. Why? Because everything is ready because he paid the price. 
We need to realize that. When Christ was on Calvary, he didn't say, well, buddy, I want to see you saved. Tell you what, you're not a bad guy. I'll go 50-50. He never said that. We hung on the cross. The Bible says, who his own self alone. You couldn't help him. I couldn't help him. Alone. Bore our sin in his body on the tree. Friend, it's not just a song. It's a fact. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. On the cross, Jesus Christ paid 100% of what it takes to keep you out of hell and get you into heaven if you'll accept him as your own personal Savior. I was having a revival. I think it was over in Galesburg, Illinois. And the pastor said, well, a different call we got to make. He said, I'm not going to tell you about it. You'll figure it out. We went out to a house and pulled up in the driveway, went to the garage door, and the pastor beat on the garage door. The boy said, come on in. As the garage door went up, I saw a man sitting in a wheelchair. We walked in. The pastor said, Joe, this is John. We started talking, and pretty soon, the pastor said, John, tell Joe about your accident. And I said, I'm working out here at Bethlehem Steel. He said, something went wrong. He said, all of a sudden, this huge thing fell. It hit me, and it crushed me. He said, I'm a miracle. I'm alive today. He said, I spent three months in a hospital, and he said, I'm still in some kind of recreation, but it doesn't do any good. He said, I cannot use either leg or my left arm. All I can use is my right arm, my thumb, and these two fingers. That's all I can use. I said, John, let me ask a question. That day at Bethlehem Steel, when that huge object fell on you, if you were to die, do you know you'd go to heaven? He said, no, I don't. I said, can I show you how? He said, okay. I opened the Bible, and thank God I showed him the gospel. The gospel. That God loved him, and Christ died for him. If he'd get saved, if he'd ask Christ into his heart, he could save him and take him to heaven. I showed him the gospel. I said, now, John, what do you think? He said, you don't get it, preacher. He started crying. He said, I can't get saved. I said, Why? He said, these legs are useless and worthless. That this hand is no good. He said, preacher, I can do nothing to be saved. I started crying. I said, John, buddy, you missed it. You missed it. When Christ hung on that cross, he bore your sin. Not 75%, not 85%. When Christ hung on Calvary, he paid the full price to get you saved. He paid for your sin the fires of hell burned in his soul. And my friend, the proof of that is this. The third day he arose, I said, when Christ arose, there is your receipt for salvation if you'll accept him. He looked at me. And I was going just like this. He reached, he grabbed my hand, looked me right in the eye. He said, mister, if that's salvation, I'll take it right here, right now. Amen. We prayed. He got saved. Looked up, he's crying. He said, preacher, this is too good to be true. This is too good to be true. But it is true tonight. Salvation is not found in baptism or church membership or your morality. Salvation is found in a person. He that hath the Son hath life. Do you have the Son? Have you received the Son? That's the greatest question you'll face on Judgment Day. As many as received him, to them gave he authority to become the sons of God. Now, interesting here. Look at the Bible. The individual here goes out to witness. Now, look what's happened. Look at your Bible. Look at verse number 17. He sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, 
Come, for all things are now ready. As I mentioned, that's what we tell people. Salvation is past tense. It's paid for. All is except what Christ has done. Now, what's your response? The same thing happens today. Look in your Bible. Verse number 18. They all with one consent begin to make excuse. The devil is proficient at making excuses. He gives his followers excuses to make. Now, look at that carefully. Verse 17. The first said, I have bought a piece of ground. I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excuse. Now, wait, wait, wait. That is one of the dumbest statements in the Bible. Why do you say that? Number one, the time. What time is it? The Bible says there, supper time. Now, in Bible times, they didn't have electric lights. No. In Bible times, they went out in the field and worked as long as there was a little daylight. But it was absolutely dark. Then they'd come in, and then they'd, have, then they'd meal. Now, look at that again, what the man said. Look at that again, verse number, uh, verse number 18. I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. Time out. That was a lie. It's pitch black out. My friend, unless that guy has X-ray vision or is Superman, you can't see in dark. That's number two. What an idiot. He already bought the land. He paid for the land. The land is his. With an ounce of common sense, you look at land before you buy it. Not this turkey. No, no. He buys it. He said, I think I'll go see if I made a good deal. Boy, a real estate agent would love this guy. He would. You see, my friend, sinners don't have common sense when it comes to salvation. That's why they need the Holy Ghost to convict them and draw them and bring them to their son. But what a statement that is. I, 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 can't, I still can't get over it. I bought a piece of ground, I must needs go and see it. Then he says this, I pray thee have me. What's he invited to? Supper. Now forget, put this in the context. Supper, when do you have supper? At night. So it's supper time. He said, I'm not coming to supper. Tell you one thing, not only was he not saved, he was not a Baptist. A Baptist would have been there to eat. Somebody say amen, but that's how that goes. Okay, now, look at number two. This guy is no smarter. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me issue. He had bought the oxen, paid for the oxen, richer or poor, better or worse, the oxen are his. He said, now, I bought these oxen. Now I'm going to try them out. No. You do not buy a used car before you drive it. That's common sense, okay? This guy had an excuse. I bought these oxen. Man, I'm going out and plow. Now, number two, it's dark. It's supper time. Buddy, you go out plowing in the dark, you'll cut a foot off. They'll call you stubby the rest of your life, okay? Yeah. What the guy said does not make one. Then he said, I, no, 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 I pray thee have me excused. Think on that phrase. I pray thee have me excused. The first two guys used that phrase. Notice, they were not mad, didn't cuss the preacher, didn't get upset, didn't slam the door, nice and polite and kind. They said, I pray you have me excused. How mannerly, really. I'll tell you something. What etiquette. The people with good etiquette go to hell unless they accept Jesus Christ. You can always find an excuse to say no to Christ. That excuse will not hold up on Judgment Day when you stand before God. Now, the third guy is the dumbest one of all. Look at dummy number three, please. Look at verse number 20. Another said, I married a wife, therefore I cannot come. 
There's no excuse for that. I'll tell you why. Gentlemen, think back. Think back. Okay. You just got married. Uh-huh. Your wife is going to fix a meal. Oh. Wow, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. After my wife and I got married, the first thing she tried to do was fry chicken. Okay. It was shriveled up. It was like gnawing on rubber, you know. Yeah. Oh, honey, this is good. I hope we can have this some other time. Under my breath, I said 20 years later. You know, I'm at, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here he is. Man, his wife fixed up her. It's horrible. It's got to be brutal. The newlywed meal. What do you say? I, 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 I cannot come because of my wife. Uh-oh, time out. Hell's full of people said exactly what this guy said. Why did he go to supper? One reason, because of a person, his wife. How sad. If I get saved, what's somebody going to say? If I get saved, what do people think? It's your soul and your destiny, and you're in charge and you're in control. You ought to be more concerned about staying out of the flame than you are about what some idiot's going to say if you get saved. The proclamation, the patience. My, what a thing. They had all the answers, all the excuses. But yet, my friend, look on down. The sad verse here, look on down. Verse 24, the patience of God. I say unto you, none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. The excuses could not keep them out of hell. The excuses would keep them from the marriage supper of the Lamb. Their excuses were worthless when it come to facing God all. Friend, you know it. It's preached here. It's taught here. And thank God, there is a hell. All Christ rejectors go to hell. Christians should be concerned about keeping a family member, a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor out of the flames of the damned. May God stir our hearts. Many years ago, out in Colorado, a man was a man that explored caves. A pelunctor, spelunctor. Heard of a certain cave in Colorado had never been explored. He had two weeks vacation. He said, man, I'm going to be the first. If I explore the cave first, I can put a stake on that. The cave is mine. I can set up kind of a, 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 tra- a, a, a place for visitors to come and make some money showing the cave. He went out and fell in the cave. The Coco Cave was located about halfway down on a sheer cliff several hundred feet high. He said, man, how am I going to get up there? He said, it's so sheer, I, I, I can't avoid, he said. Almost directly above that hole, there was a tree. He said, that's it. I'll go around in back of the mountain, climb up the mountain, find that tree, tie a rope around it, I'll repel in, I'll explore the cave, then I'll make a claim on it. That's exactly what he did. Went to the back, climbed up the backside of the mountain, found the tree, tied a rope around, he swung down, repelled in. When he repelled in, he put a rock on the rope, took the old kerosene lantern and lit it, and my friend, then he took a ball of twine out of his pocket. He tied the twine around another rock and starts going in that cave. He went deeper and deeper. There were choices he had to make. Sometimes he went to the left, sometimes to the right. Sometimes it was split. He went deeper and deeper and deeper, and pretty soon he realized the roof is coming lower and lower and lower. The man is bent over all of a sudden. The old kerosene lantern, it flickers. But he kept going. 
Then he had an idea. What am I going to do? He took the rope he had, put down, put a rock on that, wanted to keep track of that in case something went wrong. He starts going deeper and deeper again. The lantern flickers. This time it goes out, and the cavern is plunged in pitch darkness. But as the lantern is going out, he fixes his eyes on that rock. If I get to that rock, under that rock is that cord. That cord will get me out of here. He starts walking back carefully in the darkness. All of a sudden, he slips and falls. He still thinks he knows where it is. He gets up and tries it again. He slips and falls. Pretty soon, he lost all sense of direction. 21 years go by. Two men come to explore the cave. They go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Pretty soon, they come around a curve. Oh, my. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. Look! There's an old, an old rusty lantern. Yeah. Look! It's, it's a skeleton. Can you imagine what went through that man's mind? Crawling on the floor, running his hands over that rocky floor till there were nothing but a bloody, bleeding mass of human flesh trying to find that little thread. That's what hell's like today. They weep and wail and gnash their teeth. And yet they realize they're in hell for one reason. One last time they heard the gospel. One last time they said, hey, people think I'm saved. One last time they said, I'm a church member, that's good enough, and it's not good enough. One final time they rejected Christ, and their pride drove them to the fires of hell forever and ever and ever. Friend, if you're not 100 well, I'm 90% sure, that's a big gamble. That's a big gamble. And I look up there, I see an exit sign. There is no exit sign over hell. The Bible says eternal judgment, eternal fire, eternal flame. Don't run the risk. It's not worth it. Will you bow your head for prayer?